Welcome to The Kids Are All Right, the podcast that explores big global issues from a young and fresh perspective. In this episode, we'll hear from Brian Gordon Alemo, reporting from Johannesburg, South Africa on youth voices in politics and governance. Oftentimes, youth voices aren't listened to or taken seriously when it comes to politics. So Alemo decided to ask his guests about youth participation in politics and their activism around one of the biggest issues for this new generation of voters, climate change. In Africa today, you realize that beyond political discussions, young people are less likely to be engaged in traditional politics. Why, why do you think this is the case? I don't really think that politics are like a choice for young people, particularly on the African continent. It's rather an imposition. Everything always comes back to politics. Like even right now, under COVID, a big part of countries' intervention largely depends on how well-coordinated the government can be. So I think that young people have lost faith in the machinery of government as a whole because you have leaders who can wake up tomorrow and feel that they want to extend their term in office and amend the constitution or you have leaders that they're not really listening. And essentially, we need to conceive of politics from the ground up rather than from the top. Politics is just a vehicle for driving change in issues that you care about. And for you to actually get into that vehicle, no one is going to stop and, I mean, make a seat for you in it. It's like you have to even sometimes think about building a vehicle of your own. We are not having enough conversations about how do we build constituencies? How do we capacitate ourselves to be able to lead in a government that is broken, essentially? Today, most climate change activists are young people and then the youth have just become the foundation and the voice for climate change activism world over. People listen to them. But then that message doesn't really have that deep-seated impact. An example is Greta Thunberg at the World Economic Forum. At the same time, we had the voice of, of, global, of climate change activism in the Global South, Vanessa Nakate, the, the 23-year-old Uganda. Mm. Much as they campaign over and over again for climate change activism, most times that voice is not listened to. Why do you think that is the case? Often the follow-up to movement is not one that guarantees the change that people seek in, in the first place. I think a certain part of ensuring that power like actually does what it's meant to do is having strong institutions to be able to hold it to account. By that, I mean, in South Africa, we have state-owned entities and we have the judiciary, which is arguably the force that holds a lot of politicians and public representatives to account. I think the media also plays a very, very strong role in like strengthening democracy so like sometimes it's about if you can vote interrogating your vote very very well secondly to that following your vote by that i mean your vote is not just every five years when you go vote for whoever your president at that time is that i'm like there's a world where we ask ourselves what happens from election to election if i give you an example using south africa as a case study in last year may we had the fifth democratic election since 1994 I think we have around about 36 million uh, people mm. um, in South Africa that can vote. Mm. The hard thing is that elections are most fundamentally determined by people that show up to vote. Make sure that the person that you like elected does mm. what is pretty much required of them. Mm. So in 2024, we have South Africa's six democratic elections, and I hope to be a contender of some nature in that conversation. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. essentially, every single time I step back and then I try to evaluate several, I mean, several like political parties I can join is that often I find that I don't have a party that that really, really captures my uh, my ethics and values and also wants to do the, the type of work that I would deem necessary to, to be able to 
move from this uh, struggle liberation mindset to a more nation building mindset that a, that is the uh, very, very big concern. Secondly, I mean, secondly to that, you sit back and then you're like, okay, I can't find a political home. And then obviously the, the like uh, follow up thought to that is that you like ultimately building the home that you want by home. I mean, a political party or like some type of movement. After you, you're exposed to this stage, how, how do you sort of measure the impact of your message? Often people think that the work begins and ends on the stage, but often there is so much more work that people are doing in the background. Of course, there's a chance that you're just a token to be able to appease whoever might just wanted to give an illusion that they're giving young people a voice. Mm-hmm. But essentially for me, every single talk that I do or program that I become a part of, sometimes it's just not even about my story. It's about a child who might be in some corners of Kampala or who might mm-hmm. be in some mm-hmm. corners of Dar es Salaam, who's yeah. going to hear that story mm-hmm. and be filled with a very, very different perspective of how life might turn out for them or how life could turn out for them. I try to include the fact that I have not always been the person I am and that I have come from a place where this happening, I could have never seen myself being so passionate about politics. I try to represent a type of story that I know is the story of Africa and Africans that are born into poverty and try and try by all their means to be able to navigate that. But often they're failed by systems that don't like promote access to opportunity or that don't even give exposure. Whatever platform you're given, you use it to be able to propel your own agenda. You've seen that uh, there have been a lot of sort of sarcastic and lukewarm responses from world leaders. So why do you think this is the case for young people? The beauty of young activism is equally the burden of young activism, right? The beauty of young activism is that your fresh voice You've not yet become cynical the way the older generation is about change. The older you get and the less things change, the more cynical you become. So as a young person stepping into a space of activism, you're doing that in the hope that your voice will be the difference and your work will be the difference. But you're also going up against generations and at times centuries of inertia. It's embarrassing, obviously, to come up against adults who act like bullies but on the whole a young person must find their validation from the cause that they're hoping to achieve not necessarily from external voices because there will always be naysayers and if we look if we listen to the words of of nelson mandela he always said or he said at, at one point that it always seems impossible until it is done right You're, so every big wave of change we've seen in the world it always appeared impossible but when it is done you reset the order of a youth voice cannot be substituted for underqualified or under-researched thoughts, right? So bringing a youth voice to the table doesn't mean that you're offering platitudes. It means that you've got to be advancing a conversation. And my experience certainly has been that when I have approached conversations from a point of research, from a point of personal understanding, from a point of personal experience, that people pay attention. And so if there are young activists who are wondering what they have to do to be taken seriously, the answer has got to be, Ensure that you are advancing the conversation rather than rehashing the thoughts of other people. No one can fight against the experience that you have had, right? If you're saying as a young person, you know, as a young student, here is what my learning experience was and here is how it can be better. No one has the right to say 
your learning experience is wrong because it's your experience, right? But on the other hand, you see young people who approach conversations repeating the same conversation that everyone else has been putting forward. And their voices are less likely to, to be taken seriously because they're not adding anything tangible to a conversation. Uh, you particularly talked about how you watch speeches by Martin Luther King, um, Tony mm-hmm. Blair, Obama himself, in order to teach yourself public speaking. So why do you mm-hmm. think it's important for young people to be able to master this art? Communication is powerful. I dare say that Barack Obama would have been another nice politician if he did not have the power of words to move people to tears. And he found a way to communicate not just the desires of his heart, but a picture of the future that he wanted to build for America. There have been politicians over time who have had arguably more comprehensive policy proposals. In Obama, you saw an example of both of those worlds coming together, ideas and communication. And when you bring those two things together, you move people to take action. And all the people who voted for Obama said, we see in this man and we hear in the words he's saying, the future in which we want to live. But you've had many other politicians who had equally credible ideas. There have been other black politicians who have come after Obama. But they haven't galvanized populations around their mission because they were missing that one thing, that power of words. And when you look at a Nelson Mandela equally, Mandela was not just an intelligent man with a history. He was a man who had words, and that's why he's widely quoted, because you can take any of Mandela's speeches all the way from when he was a young lawyer, right, approaching his trial, you know, in 1964 in Rivonia, and being able to say words that have become so punchy, so powerful, that many people have repeated many times that this guy said, I'm not for black domination, I'm not for white domination, right? And people listen to that and think, oh my, but that was in 1964. He was not the first person who came up wanting to fight for the rights of black people in America. But he was one person who had the right words. And, you know, many people have actually said that his most famous speech in 1963, I Have a Dream, he did not script those words. He came up with them on the fly. It shows you the power of communication to move people to action. On the negative side, Adolf Hitler himself used words to move a nation against another nation. Right, and we have one of the worst atrocities ever committed by humankind by the power of words. Last night I was actually still reading an account about the Rwandan genocide, and, and you know, I've read several accounts about it. But you listen as well to the words that were used to describe fellow human beings as cockroaches. We have to crush the cockroaches. You know, go out there and destroy the cockroaches. In your mind, you think about, yeah, that's the right thing to do. You destroy a cockroach until you realize a cockroach was a fellow human being. So words have power, either for good or for evil. And a person who is a skilled communicator can deploy this tool of words for a good cause or for an evil cause. Every young person who underestimates the power of words has not yet set themselves up for for a career of success. Still, you realize that almost 60% of our population in Africa is under 25. Uh, But then... Much as we are the youngest population in the world, young people are complaining a lot day and night about um, social and political exclusion. Um, what do you think uh, the problem is? If, if, if this is the case, what do you think the remedy to this entire fracas on political exclusion? Is? The generation that we're expecting to deliver change into our hands, they received the positions they have today by fighting for it, tooth and nail. Many of them sacrificed their lives for it. 
So young people cannot afford the luxury of expecting change to happen. Far too many young people have become skilled at complaining when they should be becoming skilled at innovating. This is not the time to say education is failing us. Our infrastructure is not good. This is the time to say, what can I do? People who complain remain complainers for the rest of their lives. People who innovate are the ones who lift others out of poverty. We have a lot more infrastructure to organize. We have a lot more educated people in our ranks. We have a lot more skill of communication and global inspiration from all over the world. So it should technically be easier for us to win this war that our forefathers began. But rather, we're getting complacent. And rather, we're complaining about the fact that people haven't delivered victory to us. We should be on the battlefield imagining what role each of us can play in specific sectors. We don't all have to fight the same battle. But each of us must figure out, if I could address one one challenge, if I could create one set of solutions for Africa in my time, which challenge will I face? And then just go for it. You've been listening to an episode of The Kids Are All Right, produced by Podium.me and News Decoder. The reporting for this episode was done by Brian Gordon Alemo of the African Leadership Academy and edited together by Charlie Duffield at Podium.me.